Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Last Sunday on change, and it seems to me that God really likes change. Here's a, a verse that lots of you will know. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. Uh, it literally means a new species of being. It says, Old things have passed away. All things have become new. It then goes on, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. says, When we come together like this, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are being changed or transformed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. Staying in Corinthians, but 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52, says, speaking about the end, it says, but... Uh, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I heard a couple of young parents claim that verse as being the verse for fresh motherhood and fatherhood, that their children would not all sleep, but they would all be changed. Just thought, so I'd throw that one. Just seeing if you're listening. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And guess what? We shall be changed. So we come to Christ and we are changed. We are beholding Him and we're being changed. And then Jesus returns and we get changed again. You'd almost begin to think that God likes change in a believer's life. And yet how many Christians there are that struggle with change. But to be a believer means a different response to change and changes. It means we welcome change in our life. We welcome the Holy Spirit doing what we need Him to do in our life, changing us from what we are used to and changing us from the way we have been doing things. Life is going to bring change and life in the kingdom is not where we hide from change. It's where we embrace the changes that the Holy Spirit brings into our life. I love this statement. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I'm going to be. I'm under construction. What a great thing to realise for your life. Thank God I'm not what I used to be. Amen. Come on, you may not be perfect. Well, matter of fact, none of you are, uh, me included. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm not yet there and what I'm going to be, but I'm in the place as you are right now where the Holy Spirit is at work in our life. And I want you to tune out COVID for a minute. I want you to turn out all that stuff and what's going on and whatever conflicts or arguments or theories or whatever you got on, let's zero in in a minute and just say, Holy Spirit, what kind of change are you wanting to bring in my life? What kind of alterations to the way I do things do you want to bring into my life? Lord, I'm telling you this morning, I'm up for your change. Amen. Turn to your neighbour right now and say, I'm up for the Holy Spirit's change in my life. Come on, tell somebody. If you're online, you can shout it out 15 times. And that'll be just great. Great to see all these. I realised uh, online this morning, I was in my office and just a part online. 
And uh, I realized how, you know, you can dance when you're online and no one knows. I'm, I'm there and I'm carrying on. You can sing and it doesn't matter whether you can sing a tune or not. You can just get right into it. Amen. Fantastic. God likes change in our life. Here's the four ways that godly change happens in a believer's life. Number one is instant supernatural change. Think of the day of Pentecost. Think of Saul who becomes the Apostle Paul on that road to Damascus and instantly change happens. God can do that. At our Red Fox commissioning, the young woman, now a pastor, speaking about how she got lost. She's in a dark part of Dunsborough, I think it was. And she said it was quite scary. She got separated from her friends. And uh, she saw a man sitting on a table, again, in this very poorly lit park. And there she is there. And she hears a voice call out her name. It was one of the most amazing stories. And we're all sitting listening to this story going, I wonder, it's got to be bad. But this person called out her name. She walks over to where this man is and he says this to her. He says, Mel, God's got a better plan for your life than this. She said she'd done nothing but drink all day. She said, I didn't know where I was. It's a wonder I could stand up. And this person said to her, you know, God's got a better plan for your life. And she says, oh, maybe he does. He said, would you like to receive Christ? She says, yes, I would. And they pray and she says yes to Jesus. And instantly she's sober. This is her telling the story. All, all the effect of the alcohol. She told the story that she'd been really imbibing quite a lot. She said instantly she was sober. So God can bring instant change in your life. We all know stories of people that have been incredibly altered when they received Christ. But the second way that God changes your life is by growth. You begin to grow in God. I've never heard anybody preach this, but I wonder that they don't because in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, the Apostle Peter is there on the day of Pentecost. Suddenly there comes the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled the whole house where they were sitting. Peter under them clothed in tongues like as a fire and sat upon each one of them. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And then everyone said, they're drunk. Peter gets up and says, they're not drunk. It's the middle of the morning, for goodness sake. And so then begins to preach a phenomenally bold sermon. This from a man who was uh, only a matter of days before denying Jesus before a little young servant girl. And this guy stands up bold in the Holy Ghost. Instant transformation. But in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11, Peter is rebuked by the Apostle Paul who says, you know, I withstood him to the, to the face because he showed partiality, pretended. He didn't know the Gentiles he's just been hanging out with because some Jewish people came in. He knew they wouldn't approve. And so this guy, he's instantly changed, but he's not grown yet. Change hasn't happened. Now, this is the same apostle who then writes First and Second Peter and talks about boldness and about faith. So... Understand if you're not there yet, if God still's got something to do in your life, that's okay. Understand that we are going to grow and there might be some instant moments, some transformational moments, 
but a lot of what's going to happen in our life is growth. Here's the third way that godly change happens is through external changes in our life. In Acts chapter 8, we are told that a persecution arose against the church and all the believers are scattered. Well, they could have sat down and said it's the government's fault and it's the Romans' fault and it's somebody else's fault and where's God anyway? But these people had external change that brought an internal shift in their life. And this guy, Philip, who has been an usher in the church, a host team member in the church, stands up and preaches and 20,000 people come to Christ. He was never called to preach, never asked to preach, hands weren't laid on him to preach. And yet this guy has, through an external change, has an internal shift in his life. So I'm excited about where we are now, not because of the pain or the problems, but I'm excited because I'm seeing God, you are at work in the lives of your people. Amen. He's never abandoned us. He's never left us alone. He's never taken His hand off the church. We are the bride for whom Christ died. And if Jesus died for us, you can bet your bottom dollar He's there ready, watching over His bride, protecting His bride, keeping us, His bride, ready to do something great for Him. Amen. I'll give the Lord a hand you wanted to. You may as well. So external change. Here's the fourth way that change comes up. I want you to get this this morning because too many people I find online or wherever, and I'm not minimising any pain or difficulty, but I'm saying, come on, God, what are you doing? The fourth way change occurs is through the revelation of a vision. You know, when God speaks something, I know this, that when I come to pray, God doesn't say to me, hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus signals still, wave the answer back to heaven. <coughs> By thy grace, oh God, help us. Jesus said, oh, come quickly, Lord, we don't know if we're going to last. That's not it at all. But the revelation of a vision. I trust that if you are seeking God, I trust that He's giving you vision for your workplace. I trust He's giving you vision for your life and for your ministry. Saul becomes Paul because of a vision from God. So if you are facing change right now, particularly change that you're afraid of or change that you're reluctant to accept. Hello, let's have a little bit of True confessions time. I remember when they changed the aluminium toothpaste tubes to plastic. I said this to the staff the other day and they all were looking at it going, aluminium? Like, what's that? And I go, you're too young. You weren't there when it was really good. I think we're all the same. I think all of us have things that we are reluctant to accept. And yet there are things, there are changes that are going to occur in our life. doesn't mean we play, you know, kind of like just give in. It means that we say, God, what are you doing? And I want to help you today to navigate change in your life because change is inevitable. Are you with me? Amen. And if you don't believe in the change is inevitable, wait till your next birthday comes. I saw an orthodontist the other day because uh, an old basketball injury meant I had to have a couple of teeth removed. One they do you want to hear the gory story about it? Yeah, you do, really. And so they put this titanium thing right up there. 
I just about could, I, I wanted to scratch the top of my head. I think it went that far. And so they removed the bottom and said, we can't do that. They're going to adjust things. But I said to the orthodontist, I said, I can't believe at my young age, at the halfway point, I said, I can't believe, actually, I never said that. What I said was, I can't believe that at my age, you can actually still move my teeth. She looked at me and she said, oh, hon. It was kind of funny to be called that by a specialist doctor. Oh, hun. Oh, hun. I thought I barely know you, but I felt like I needed Rhonda there to stand guard. Rhonda, quick come. She's calling me hun. Rhonda would have said, don't worry about it, darling. She does that to everyone. So she says, oh, hun. She says, your teeth are always moving. I oh, really? She said, go back and look at a photo of your teeth when you're 15. I go, who has a photo of their teeth when they're 15? But anyway, change is inevitable. You're going to have a birthday. One day, by the grace of God, you 20-year-olds are going to be 40. (laughs) Amen. Do I get a witness in the building? One day, you 40-year-olds are going to be 60, by the grace of God. One day, you 60-year-olds are going to be 80. Amen. One day, you 80-year-olds are going to be 100, by the grace of God. And one day you 100-year-olds are going to be 120 by the grace of God. Amen. I got less amens as we went along. (laughs) So let me talk to you about change. Come on. Let's not get ourselves all knotted up over this. Let's get in and find out some truth about change. Number one is there's always choice in every change. There always is. One of the great thoughts for my life Seriously, is the recognition of the reality that I'm never helpless, ever. It does not exist in my life. There's always a response I can make. I might be broke, but I could find something to give. I might feel wrung out by life, but there'd be somebody I could bless. I may feel like, you know, all my plans have turned to dust, but God could give me a new plan. And I want you to understand there's always choice in every change. You're never helpless. Number two, you can adjust the pace of change. You can adjust the pace of change. Gideon had a pace to the change that occurred in his life. Saul, who becomes Paul, gets saved on the road to Damascus, then goes into the desert. I've researched it. It's No one's exactly sure, but it's probably at least three years before he launches his ministry. He gets saved, called to be a voice to the Gentiles. First thing he does is go and spend three years on his own. Why? Because he understands that all change has got a pace to it. Most of us, we are trying to get change to happen super fast on the change we want. And we try to get super fast on the change we hate. Here's a thought that I hope will help you because it certainly helps me. I was talking to my daughter, uh, my eldest daughter this week, and we've had a couple of best laid plans to go visit that because of the circumstances here, uh, we haven't been able to go. And so we've got our next lot there. And I, I was saying back, you know, we're planning to come then, but we may not get there at this point of time. Things could change. But I said, you know, If we don't come then, we'll come later for longer. 
And you go, what are you trying to say? Well, you can adjust the pace of change. And by that, I mean this, turn down the volume of your emotions. Oh no, here we go again. Oh God, another play. Oh God, we never get it. Oh God. And, and if you do that, you'll turn the volume up. And change will start screaming at you of all the things you hate about it. Or else you can turn the volume down and go, you know what, I didn't get there then. But that's okay, there'll be another time. Turn, uh, have a think about it. It's not all at once. No matter who you are, listen, some of you here in this last year have had some terrible, well, what would seem terrible change to you. Things have happened in your life that have made your life take a right hand turn. I'm not saying they don't matter or that they're easy or you should just forget about it. That would be ridiculous. But I am saying you don't have to overnight be okay about it. Amen. One of the things I've discovered about grief is that there's no such thing as a formula for overcoming grief. Come on. You have a loss in your life. You might feel rotten for quite a while. But understand this, I'm in the process of change. I'll never forget the, the words of my mother-in-law, who after her husband died, and I said, Mary, I was called a Mary. I said, Mary, how are you doing? And she said, oh, good. And I said, Mary, how are you really going? She said, oh, darling. She always called me darling. And then she'd say, what kind of, would you like me to make you anything? I'd say, yes, I'd like a Bronco scarf, please. Rhonda always said, how come my mother makes things for you? She never makes anything for me. I say, that's because I keep telling her all the time, I am your favourite son-in-law. I'm the best you've got. There's others, but I say, they don't matter. I'm the only. I said, how's it going? She said, oh, darling, people tell me that life will go back to normal. She said, but how could that even be? And she said that I thought was so profound. She said, darling, I'm building a new normal for my life. Can I say to you, church, right now, wherever you are around the world, start building a new normal. Amen. There might be a whole lot of change you don't like. Start building a new normal in your life. Here's number three. Even negative changes can be used for my good and for kingdom purpose. We all know Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things, everyone say all, all, all things work together for good to them that love God and those who are the called according to His purpose. I hate this verse because it says if I'm in the worst place in the world, God says, watch me bring good out of that. Amen. I don't like that because I don't want to be in any bad places. I don't want to be in the good ones. Amen. I want to win lotto even though I've never bought a lotto ticket in my life. But someone could give me one. Someone in the church could... No, no, Rhonda's down there shaking her head saying, don't do that. I have friends of mine that are always buying lottery tickets and they're telling me when, when we win this, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And so I say, oh God, help them. I'm not buying one, but Lord, I'm praying for them. Amen. You know, all things work together for good to those who love God. Those who are called according to His purpose. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are thrown unjustly into prison. They're beaten with stripes, put in the stocks. You know the story. But a church gets birthed out of one of the ugly moments of his life. Come on, what does God want to birth, listen to me, out of this ugly moment in your life? Come on, what does God want to birth out of an ugly moment in your life? 
Oh, nothing's going to happen like that. No, I just hung on him. Here's number four. God can make us sufficient for every change. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. said, He has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In other words, there's something about whatever I'm in. God says, I'll make you sufficient for that. Listen to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers, they won't overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. In other words, God's saying, you know what? Regardless of where you are, I'll be there in your life. Here's number five, fifth thing. Never change your God-given vision just because circumstances do. Come on. Everybody is going to get some obstacles. Everybody's going to get some difficulties. They're the moments that make you. And I'm not saying this out of some flippant, easy to preach, positive message. I look back and I remember where I was standing when I heard the news that the pastor that I'd admired and that I had so looked up to was unable to continue in the ministry because of personal failure. And I remember that moment. I could tell you where I was standing. And all I could think of was the words of the disciples in John 6 when Jesus said to them, do you want to go away? Do you want to quit? Do you want to bail? Do you want to stop? And they said, Master, to whom else can we go? You alone have got the words of eternal life. No matter how dark it is, what, what, what would you do? Well, I'm just going to quit. And then what? Amen. You're wired for forward, not for reverse. Never change your God-given vision just because circumstances alter. Number six, speak faith. I'll come to this more in a minute. Speak faith to the fears that accompany change. I believe the biggest problem with changes in people's lives are not the changes themselves, but the fears that come with them. And they yell at you. It's no coincidence that Goliath stood 40 days every day, got out in front of the, of the people of Israel, the whole army, and said, give me a man that we may fight together. And they all looked at him and he was so big and his voice boomed across that valley. And they all went, well, we're never going to make it. And when David turns up and says, what will be done? They said, haven't you seen the man? Why? Because they'd heard the voice of fear so strongly. Speak faith to the fears that accompany change. I can. God, you're going to help me. Amen. God, you're going to help me. Here's number seven, last one is take the small steps, the next step that you can take. I know some of this, some of you are going to say, Jeff, I've heard you say things like this for many, many years. I go, yeah, but you need to hear them again. I need to hear them again. I need to hear them again when there's issues that I'm trying to address or that I think need changing. There's things that I'm saying, God, what are you going to do about that? And I hear him say, just take the next steps. Do what you can do. The enemy always wants to surround change with fear, but God surrounds change with faith, with courage and with vision. I'm going to read you one last passage. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. This is the conversion of Saul, who's been a persecutor of the church. When I say persecutor, I don't just mean that he said nasty things on social media. You Christians, 
you're all losers. It wasn't like that. The Bible says that he actually went and got people out of their homes and chucked them into jail. Some of them he killed. So we've got this persecuting murderer who encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. Get the next part. This is to me the amazing. Not that Jesus can turn up and challenge you. That's pretty easy for Jesus. Watch the next bit. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said what every Christian should say. Here I am, Lord. And then the Lord says, now let me give you the detail. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying and in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Verse 13, this is the key to the whole deal. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now watch this. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, not with a stick from outside the door, not with a laser pointer. Because how many people know we would have sent a text message? (laughs) We would have played it safe. And Ananias goes right into the room where this persecuting murderer of the church is and he laid his hands on him who had power to bind all that call on his name. And the next two words are the most amazing words that anybody says in this entire passage. He says, brother Saul. Not Saul, you filthy, murdering, bad person. He says, brother, what courage that would have been. See, the enemy wants to surround every change in your life with fear and tell you it could go bad and this might happen. We're all the same. Our brains get occupied with, oh, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if I lose my job? And what if this goes on? And what about that? And what about if? And this man hears a word from God that involves tremendous change. And he goes in and he declares, brother, Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptised. I wonder whether Ananias baptised him. I know that if I'd been Ananias, I would have probably done it two or three times. I would have said, you've got so many devils, you need to go down a couple. Are you sure you've repented? Yes. Are you sure? You're really confessing Christ? Yes. Brother Saul, listen to me. What are you saying to the change around your life? Are you saying, I can't? I'll never. I'm finished. I can't cope. I don't know how this is going to work out. Are you speaking that to your change? Or are you speaking words of faith like Ananias did? 
God's going to look after me. I don't know the answer, but God's going to look after me. I heard this, I have no idea who originally said it, but I heard it years and years ago. It simply says, fear knocked on the door. Faith got up and answered, and there was no one there. Amen. Let's be the kind of people that speak faith to our change. It doesn't take away anything from our ability to navigate it or the things we wish weren't there, but it does create a path for our future. Heavenly Father, help us today. Every one of us, either online or in this room, we're all people, Lord, that have got change and change airs happening and some we like and some we don't. Some people here have got new jobs and new opportunities and promotions and increase and they're going, what a phenomenal, great change. But there'd be other people here, Lord, that are seeing what they think a negative change around about their life. I can't and I want and I should and I... I won't be able to. God, would you help us to turn down the volume on that and turn up the volume on Brother Saul. Help us to speak words into our change that come directly from the Holy Spirit. Help us all, Lord. Lord, I pray for people in this place who've never given their life to Jesus. They're like Saul. His life was all heading down the wrong track. But when He met you, everything changed. How powerful that is when you come into someone's life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for today. Thank you for the people that you're going to reach right now. If you're in front of me right now, if you're online, you can. I'll tell you in a minute how you can respond. But if you're in front of me here right now and you go, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. You're talking about me. I don't have that change in my life. I'd love to pray with you right where you are. I won't embarrass you. I want to help you. I'll help the people online in just a minute. But if that's you, would you just lift your hand and just say, Jeff, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want Jesus to come in my life wherever you are, upstairs or down below. I'd love to pray with you. Wherever you are, you can just slip it up and put it back down. Don't need to be shy. I'm not going to catch you with anything. This is your moment to say yes if you would need to say yes to Jesus. If you're online, here it's so easy. You can text YES, Y-E-S. If you're in Australia, to this number, 488 If you want our help via email or you're outside of Australia, it's YES, Y-E-S dot metro church dot, dot O-R-G dot A-U. If you're with us on metro church dot online, then the YES button's already there for you and all you've got to do is follow that through. And I believe that when you do that, you will experience a change in your life because your sin will be forgiven. Jesus will come to live with you and change your life. Father, help us each one, we pray. God, I pray for people here that are in the midst of great change. Help us to navigate it well. Amen. 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 